0: I'm reading from Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 25 from the complete Jewish Bible. To the angel of the Messianic community in Thyatira write, here is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like a fiery flame, and whose feet are like burnished brass. I know what you are doing, your love, trust, service, and perseverance. And I know that you are doing more now than before, but I have this against you. You continue to tolerate that Isabel woman, Jezebel, the one who claims to be a prophet, but is teaching and deceiving my servants to commit sexual sin and eat food that has been sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to turn from her sin, but she doesn't want to repent of her immorality. So I'm throwing her into a sick bed And those who commit adultery with her I am throwing into great trouble unless they turn from the sins connected with what she does. And I will strike her children dead. Then all the Messianic communities will know that I am the one who searches minds and hearts and that I will give to each of you what your deeds deserve. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, to those who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some people call the deep things of the adversary i say this i am not loading you up with another burden only hold fast to what i have what you have until i have come to him who wins the victory and does what i want until the goal is reached i will give him authority over the nations he will rule them with a staff of iron and dash them to pieces like pottery Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give him the morning star. Those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the Messianic communities.
1: Thank you, Linda. I'm continuing in a series of messages on... What is involved in keeping the Word of God and his instructions um, and I wanted to begin first of all by demonstrating to you what I now consider or what has been considered funny money uh, this is a uh, five a note for five dollars u s and um I don't know if you have stared at one of these things recently, but um, an awful lot goes into them. Pretty amazing stuff. Um, You know, now they have put uh, hologram and and, uh, all kinds of overlay and uh, the reason for it, of course, is due to counterfeits. These days with uh, high, high-powered um, computer printers. You don't need someone who is a specialist um, in printing, in fine printing, to be able to do that. If you uh, saw the movie uh, "Catch Me If You Can" uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, you know how involved and how intricate all that today really isn't. And by the way, the um, World Customs Organization estimates that counterfeit represents about six hundred billion dollars a year. And that's counterfeiting everything from uh, Gucci to um, uh, movies to everything in between and uh, counterfeiting money, which by the way is as old as money itself. You know, it seems like historically that the moment mankind began to have coins, somebody decided to counterfeit it. Um, At this point, counterfeiting money represents a $150 million industry in the United States. You can see why people are intrigued by counterfeits. All kinds of reasons for that. Um, primarily the reason for it a main reason for it is economic but also looking to cut corners and uh, go around the authorities you know if if there are laws someone is committed to breaking it you know how it works rebellious nature of mankind Uh, if you're a parent you can relate to that you tell your kid don't go after the cookies and the moment you turn your back what did the kids do? They go after the cookies. Therefore counterfeiting is part of of the picture and spiritually that also takes place because in, in this case it's not just the matter of economics, um, it's also the fact that there is a massive conspiracy and I'm not a big on conspiracy theories but there's a massive conspiracy uh, by the powers of darkness to to take the good things that God does and gum up the machinery through counterfeits and and you see that almost from day one um, after the body of Messiah was established in the book of Acts we see that Paul gathers the Ephesian elders together and he says to them I know that after you leave savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare your flock. Even from your own number men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. This is in in Acts. Then... um in the pastoral epistles, you find Paul saying um, in Second Timothy chapter 4, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I, I always am fascinated by that picture. You know, your ears itch, and so you want to have someone Scratch it by telling you things you want to hear. Cute, isn't it? I th- I think it's cute. Um, then First Timothy four, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Second Peter chapter two, there were also false prophets among the people just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the the sovereign Lord who who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. And if you follow history, all the way from biblical history where you have all kinds of false prophets, the prophets of Baal and others, uh, on up into the relatively modern era, you know that any time God does something massive, Satan comes right behind and spreads what Yeshua calls tears. That initially they look indistinguishable. In other words, you really can't tell the difference until they grow and manifest their fruit which becomes obvious that this is not a real thing. Just a couple of examples recently, uh, in the last 150 years the Welsh revival took place um, if you had seen the DVD about transformations you will recognize it. It was a massive thing. The Spirit of God just swept over the whole country and It wasn't because there were great and tremendous preachers and evangelists and so on. The Spirit of God swept over this country and people in all kinds of places in Wales were swept up by the manifestation of the power of God and repented and came into the kingdom. Part of what happened after that, in the heels of that, was all kind of bizarreness and counterfeit doctrine where people got bound up and and confused and at some point, because of the confusion, they became very disillusioned. Another good example is the so-called Azusa Street Mission Revival um, in California that was the precursor for the Pentecostal movement Same kind of thing. In the heels of that, there were all kinds of bizarre manifestations and bizarre doctrines and people were denying the deity of Yeshua. And all of that was right on the heels of this massive move of God. And folks, if you've been around our circles, Messianic Judaism, for any length of time, you'll know that we have not been spared of that. In the 60s and 70s, God did massive amount of work among Jewish people. He is by no means done, hallelujah, yes? And there are areas in the world where God is moving dramatically among Jewish people. But the big work, especially here in the United States, was in the 60s and 70s. And the numbers of Jews who were Yeshua believers... Increased exponentially from a few hundred in this country to several hundred thousand. Dramatic move of God. And our brother James was part of the move of God. And right behind, close behind that, has been all kinds of bizarre manifestations, bizarre doctrine, excesses, people going out in China. Now, if you've been around Yeshua Tzion for any length of time, you will know that the number of times that I have addressed heresies and counterfeit from the pulpit has been somewhere between one and zero. For the simple reason that if we devote time and attention to focusing on counterfeits and manifestations... We will spend nothing all day long but doing that. And there was a a fellow who was part of Yeshua Zion for a while who was getting ready to blow his circuits because he was on the internet looking up all the bizarre messianic and semi-messianic manifestations. So our approach has been basically to do what the Treasury Department does with the problem of currency. What I've been told is that the treasury agents will take the real thing, the dollar bills, the $5 bills, I guess really isn't a whole lot to that, $100 bills, and they will study them. They will look very carefully at all the colors, all the uh, text, all the overlay, all the texture, so that they know them cold, so that when a fake, a counterfeit, comes across their desk, they could spot right away that it is counterfeit. And folks, that is our commitment, is to bulldog the Word of God, to hang on to Yeshua with both arms and feet, so that when something that is a counterfeit comes across our desk, we say, this is a bunch of baloney, it's not of God. Because our commitment is to press on towards Him. You know, at the very beginning of Yeshua Zion, we had some Messianic style, uh, I wouldn't really call them Messianic, Messianic style congregations beginning, and I was he- hearing about it, and reading about it in the Intermountain Jewish News, the Jewish, the local Jewish paper, was describing some of these bizarre messianic-style groups, and I was pulling what hair I had, a little bit more than I do now, and I was boiling up within in within me and feeling like, well, I need to get on a, a campaign to. To talk to them, address things with them, and uh, uh, make sure that people know, especially in the body of Messiah and perhaps even in the Jewish community, that that's not what Messianic Judaism is about. And at some point, in a small, still voice, I heard the Lord say, (laughs) M-Y-O-B. Mind your own business. You know it's kind of tough medicine to receive, because you know you want to stand and you want to pontificate and you want to point out errors. And in the case of some people, that's their assignment; they've been called of God to do that—the so-called discernment ministries. And I, I believe some are legitimate. But for most of us, God calls us to take care of business that He's put before us. Not to delve into heresies, because that can fry our- ba- our brains, folks, but to not allow ourselves to be distracted from a simple minded pursuit of Yeshua amen, amen. that's our commitment that's our desire, because life is too short to be distracted by all the bizarre manifestations we want to be just just like these. Treasury agents, being so in tune with the real thing, that we can spot the counterfeit. And Theatara was a place that was not doing well with addressing counterfeits. It was a fairly prosperous town. There was um, purple dye industry. You, you remember that Lydia was a purple seller, uh, was probably part of a postal route, semicircular postal route in Asia Minor, which is now called Turkey. In fact, the seven uh, congregations here in Revelation 2 and 3 were probably part of that postal route. Um, In some ways, very strategically located cities but the believers that were living in Fiatara, as the rest of the believers in the area, were under pressure. In that part of the first century, the good news of Yeshua was was under pressure. Good case in point. John, the old apostle, old Shaliach. Uh, was hauled off to exile in this rocky island of Patmos. So there was squeezed because of external persecution, but there was also internal problems. And Yeshua describes the ringleader of the bunch as Jezebel. Not her name, but a Jezebel type. And by the way, if you read this section, you'll see that Yeshua doesn't spend all kinds of attention to talking about about the Jezebel counterfeit. He describes it, but then he his emphasis is not on Jezebel and what was going on with her, but on what you need to do now, what I have put before you. Now, just a couple of words about this heresy, this counterfeit. Um, if you remember... From earlier in history, Jezebel was the, the uh, wicked queen who tried to completely decimate the prophets of God. And God pronounced severe merciless judgment on her because she refused to listen to God's messenger Elijah. You find the same thing here. Apparently, the Lord had sent some kind of messengers to speak to to this woman who apparently is a self-styled prophetess. Let me just hasten to point out that in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, women were encouraged to prophesy. But this woman presented herself as the leading spokesperson, spokeswoman, for the congregation, and just like tares in general, what came out was rotten fruit. Yeshua says that by her teaching, she misled many servants, many servants, scary, isn't it? Simply tells you that all of us are susceptible to being deceived. And by the way, if you are absolutely convinced that you cannot be deceived, guess what? You already have been deceived. So she misled, she seduced uh, by her teaching. Active, mature believers into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. This very much fits in with the Torah portion that James read about in Pinchas uh, in Numbers chapter 25 and in, in 31. And in Pinchas's case, by the way, he had the authority from God to skewer these two people. He had the permission from God to do that and the smile of God because Israel was a theocracy was a country ruled by God or a people ruled by God you and I do not have the authority to do that because we live under civil laws and and we need to work within the system that God put us under but the heresy is part of what you find in, in paganism um, where all the way back from Canaan, all the way to the um, first century, part of the so-called worship of these gods and goddesses involved having a meal at the temple and uh, consummating the worship with the so-called sacred prostitutes. And somehow this, this woman encouraged people to do that. And people bought into it. And Yeshua is angry at the fact that this was permitted to, to go on. Because any time somebody stands up and, and, and proclaims and takes the authority of, I am speaking for God, the Lord takes that very personally. And if somebody says, I am speaking the word of God, and the result is sexual immorality and worshiping idols, that's a basic problem. What should have happened, and by the way, the believers in Theatara had the authority, according to Matthew 18, to put her out. To, to Matthew 18, to, to say to her, this is inappropriate, you better stop, and if you don't stop, we'll put you out. And apparently that did not happen. Yeshua is very upset about that. But you notice at this point, he doesn't say, you guys gather up your your loins, roll up your sleeves and get to work and do with that. He says at this point, I'm the one who's going to deal with her. I want you to focus on the real Versus the counterfeit. Verse 24, I say to you, the rest of you in Theotara, to you who do not hold her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, only hold on to what I have, what you have, until I come. And by the way, part of the bizarreness of this counterfeit, counterfeit teaching was Gnostic influence That basically said, in order to overcome evil, you have to delve into it and find out all the secrets so that you can handle it. You have people today wanting to do that. My response is no, 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 no. Furthermore, no. The Lord does not want us to delve into the try to come up with the secrets of evil. Because, frankly, they're beyond us. They will fry our circuits, guaranteed. Our response has to be a firm refusal where we say, I have want nothing to do with that. I know what is the real. I want nothing to do with the counterfeit. Unless God put us in a position of authority and responsibility to where we have to where where we have to address it. And we have to understand, folks, what is and what is not our assignment. And we get that confused. We sometimes want to do Don Quixote and charge against the windmills without the Lord having sent us out and giving us His blessing. Remember that authority means delegated power. Delegated power by God to get the job done and we get worked up in the flesh sometimes we see things that are wrong and by golly we're gonna fix them we have to stop and say Lord is this my assignment have you called me personally have you authorized me personally to go and address these things have you given me the power to do that if we if he has then we'll be able to do that fulfill the commission, get the job done. If we haven't, the results will be obvious. Yeshua here is emphasizing to the believers to let Him deal with Jezebel and those with her. At this point, it's His job, not their assignment. Their assignment is to hold on to what He has given them until He comes. In other words, you press hard towards the Lord, regardless of circumstances. You press hard towards the Lord. Do you hear me? You can get consumed with circumstances, or you can make a decision to press hard towards the Lord. The word here in Greek for... Holding on, kateo, means to complete or finish despite difficulties. It's a word that is often used in relation to military and and power. For example, in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Same kind of word there. You pursue what God has given you You go deep with what God has given you despite circumstances because He has enabled you to overcome. To Him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. What does it mean to overcome? You know, you hear that word a lot, don't you? Overcomer. I'm an overcomer. She's an overcomer. We're overcomers. (laughs) My response to that, of course, is yes and no. Seriously. A couple of things. First of all, uh, Yeshua, the the language here tells us that overcoming is not a one-time deal. It's not, I overcame back here and now I'm just coasting. Overcoming here is a continual action of overcoming. I know that sounds kind of circular. In other words, you press, you press, you press, you continue to push forward with your eyes on Yeshua. And it's not just defensive. You know, sometimes we think about spiritual warfare is okay, I, I I get on the armor of God and I, I stand there and the evil one comes and he punches me and he he gives me another punch and another punch and I duck and then and then I sort of somehow try to avoid getting getting clobbered. That's not how scripture describes overcoming folks. It is pressing home the attack. I think of another very vivid scene from a movie called The Patriot with Mel Gibson where the British are almost overcoming them. And and he's wounded and everybody's wounded and they're struggling and about to be run over and uh, eaten for lunch and then Mel Gibson grabs the flag and he charges up the hill and gets everybody to follow Him, and they go from defensive to offensive. And that's what the Word of God calls us to do, is to both understand how to be in a defensive posture when we need it, but also understand that we need to press forward, folks. Yes, we have to resist 1 Peter 5 be controlled alert your evil the evil one your enemy prowls looking for someone to devour resist him standing firm in faith also in in Ephesians 6 Paul states put on the armor so that you may be able to stand your ground and after having done everything to stand okay you don't get you don't get bamboozled you don't get railroaded you don't get stampeded you stand your ground why because the Lord gives you all the power all the authority to do that and by the way Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood if you find yourself hassling with people you know you're in the wrong fight So there's the defensive, there's also the offensive. Overcoming means not only standing firm, but also pressing forward. And we as believers, a lot of times, are very passive, almost que sera, ish in our attitude, you know? And, and, and the Lord knows what we go through. The Lord knows our, our circumstances. The Lord knows our situations, you know our our health, um, our work, um, all of that, ailing parents, difficult children. I mean we can go on down the line financial difficulties, we, we can go on down the line with a list of things where we feel pounded. and the Lord calls on us to stand firm, that's part A of the overcoming and then also to press forward resist the devil in James 4 and he will flee from you submit to God that's the first order of business submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you again, the overcoming is an ongoing process folks It's an ongoing process. And you know, we don't like that. We don't like that. You know, I I don't think I've met a single human being who is a follower of Yeshua who says, Yes, I love spiritual warfare. Bring it on. (laughs) Yeah, come on, come on, come on. None of us like it, all of us get weary. All of us say, "Lord, please, would you shut down this uh, um, front over here and shut down this front over here? I can't put up with all these fronts at the same time." And the Lord knows that, but somehow He wants us to be overcomers on an ongoing basis. And you, you look at some of you look at Israel's history. And you see the wonderful examples during the battles that require ongoing perseverance. Two examples that come to mind obviously are from Exodus 17 with the the battle against Amalek where Moses has to hold up his hand the whole time during the battle. And also in the battle against Ai where Joshua has to hold the javelin the whole time that people are fighting until the battle is done. It just makes me shudder to think about that because I'm thinking, you know, my hands would get tired after about five minutes. But that's what the Lord required in these situations and that's what the Lord requires of us folks persevering even when we say okay lord I, I need a a very long extended vacation like how about a couple of years you notice that yeshua speaking to the theateran believers this uh, speaks of them in two related Categories to him who overcomes, and the same person does my will to the end. Literally, keeps on doing my works to the end. Keeps doing the work of Yeshua. Persevering in doing the work of Yeshua. We saw last Shabbat. That this is covenant language. How that the Lord says to Israel, if you love me, you will do my commandments. And how that Yeshua picks up on that in John chapter 14. That, by the way, is his love language. I don't know if you've heard of a book by Gary Chapman called The Five L- Love Languages, in which he describes five basic ways in which two people, primarily couples, convey to each other that, that they love each other. One, of course, is the word of affirmation. I love you. I love you. You, you, you did something wonderful here. I appreciate that. I, I thank you. Secondly is the so-called quality time. and I know that's been abused, but basically it means that you stop what you're doing and you just sit and pay attention to the other person. That's difficult, isn't it? Because you got all these things whirring around in your brain about stuff you need to do and we, you didn't do, etc. The third one is receiving gifts and that's not so much about bucks but it is about the thoughtfulness and the effort in giving the gift. The fourth one is acts of service. You know, you you are coming from a store and, and you have two or three hands full and someone comes along and says the person who cares for you comes along and says, let me take one of those and help you. Then of course the fifth one is the physical touch. And a lot of that, folks, is simply the touch of affection. That's why at the Zion we seek to be a huggy people, hope for, obviously appropriately so, but there's something about humans that craves the physical touch. So language of love, how does that relate between God and, and the nation of Israel? Well, as far as the people of Israel go, loving God means... I want to do this for you. God, I want to do this for you. And the Lord gave Israel all kinds of ways in which they could serve Him. All kinds of acts that express worship and adoration and devotion. And on God's end, the language of love is gifts. You love me, you obey my commandments, I will give you things, I will bless you. And the biggest aspect of God's blessing, of course, is His presence. And that's what God wants, wanted from Israel, that's what He wants from us. Overcoming, persevering, you know, we sometimes view it as so, you know, so grim. It involves our love and adoration to the Lord, doesn't it? If you love me, keep my commandments. In John, in Deuteronomy 11, you shall love the Lord your God and keep His commandments. Keep how? His, keep His commandments how? Well, just kind of casually, all right, I have nothing better to do and the Lord says I should do this. Eh, okay, whatever, I'll do it. No, Scripture says, keep His commandments carefully to obey what He tells us. Hebrew expression there is shmor sot, guard to do. Pay attention to it. Say, Lord, keeping your will is something that's real important to me. I may be clueless, may not be particularly strong and so on, but I want to do your will because I love you. And that's part of the overcoming that the Lord looks for in, in people. And yes, there are times when you feel like, okay... uh, Lord, keeping your commandments is hard. I don't have what it takes. I'm not sure I want to. And the Lord says, do it. He says that to the people of Israel. He says that to to Joshua. Be strong and courageous and be careful to obey all the law That has been given to you so that you may be successful. The language of love here. You obey me diligently and I will bless you. I'll see to it that your work, that your labors are fruitful. I will give you the wisdom. That's what success means here. I'll give you the wisdom to accomplish the work effectively. And yes, folks, God handles our honesty when we come and we say, Lord, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. And each Shabbat, I don't know if you notice, each Shabbat as we recite in the Torah service from Ezekiel, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and so that you carefully will keep my laws. Very interesting grammatical construct where the Lord says, I will put my spirit within you and I will do, I will see to it that somehow you are empowered and driven and motivated to keep my commandments. So, yes, overcoming is an ongoing process and yes, it involves perseverance. And yes, keeping God's word requires us to continue even when we would rather not. But God is part of the process, folks. Spirit of God is the one who drives us as we are willing. Then Yeshua says, okay, here's your reward he who overcomes to him I'll give authority over the nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he will dash them to pieces like pottery and if you're like me you read it and you said to yourself huh what did that mean to the theotarian believers what on earth does that mean for us today well, you probably know that this comes the, the words come from Psalm chapter 2 verse 9 refers to the Messiah when he comes and he is established rules over the earth he will rule firmly The rod of iron there refers to a shepherd's rod that has a tip of iron on it both to fend off the the wolves, but also to deal with the unruly sheep when they need a little whack on the tush. What does it mean to the believers then that they will be given the authority? Think about these theitarian believers. They are under pressure, they're persecuted. For them to to say, Lord, I received that gift of Authority. I have no clue what it means, but yes, thank you. And I believe, folks, for them, it was a dazzling pros- prospect which demanded great faith from a tiny bunch of people. I'm quoting a commentary by Morris. And the way it applies to us is that we are in in a society that is basically hostile to the values of Yeshua. It's not a conspiracy theory that just we live in a post Yeshua kind of a kind of a generation. And yes, we can be downhearted and intimidated, sort of like Gideon, you know, threshing the wheat in a winepress, sort of looking around to make sure nobody sees him. But the Lord challenges us to be strong because of the fact that he gives us authority. He gives us power to carry out the commission he gives us. regardless of circumstances, regardless of society, it is His doing, His power, the power of His Spirit enabling us to do that. Then the second part is, I will give the morning star. Okay, Lord, what does that mean? I'm gonna throw out my lasso and grab the morning star. You may remember that at the end of Revelation, Yeshua refers to himself as the morning star. I have sent my angel to give you the testimony. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright morning star. I believe what Yeshua is simply saying there is, you're going to have a whole mess of me and my presence with you. Which is, after all, the biggest benefit, the biggest benny that you and I as believers can have is more of God. Amen? Amen? He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the congregations. Are you hearing what the Lord is saying? Yes, there's there are counterfeits. Yes, there is confusion. Yes, yes there is opposition, yes, there's pressure, yes, there are circumstances, yes, there's all of that. But the Lord wants us to learn to keep on overcoming. He wants us to learn to keep on guarding what has been given to us, and that is the preciousness of His Word as it comes to us. And the Lord says to us, as He did to these theitarian believers, as you do that, I will give you authority to carry out the commission I have for you and you're going to experience my presence and my reality in your life. I hope today that that is your desire both to receive the authority and to have the Lord's presence. In His presence there's fullness of joy. Let's pray for a moment. Lord God, we, we thank you for the preciousness of the truth of your word, Lord God, that you give us, that inspires us, that drives us, that feeds us, that is a lamp to our feet and the light to our path. Lord God, we... I pray for each one of us, Lord, especially for those who have been experiencing the reality of pressure like the believers in Theotara, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that your word will ring strong with us, challenging us to hold on and complete what you have given us, Lord, with the authority that you have given us Resting and receiving the strength by being in your presence. Lord God, we thank you for who you are, who you are in our life. Pray, Lord, for all of us, Lord, at whatever point we are in our life, in our spiritual life, in our relationship with you. Lord God, cause us to have ears to hear and hearts that are willing to follow. In Yeshua's name, amen.